Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the top 250 movies of all time and sometimes the bottom 100 as well. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and unfortunately, my co-host, Andrew Quinn, texts me immediately after watching the movie on discussion and said he had to run out urgently to pick up some stuff. I don't know what it is, but I assume it was urgent, but I couldn't keep our two guests waiting. So joining us for this wonderful discussion of 1987's Mac and Me, two fantastic returning guests, the wonderful Niall Glenn. How are you, Niall? How are you? I'm doing all right, considering everything. <laughs> I like that. Everything comes with a caveat now. It's like, how are you doing? Are you really asking? It's kind of the subtext there. Do you really? Let's sit down and unpack this. But yeah, um, yeah, it's maybe more than we can get into on a two-hour movie podcast. And also joining us, the fantastic Richard Drum. How are you, Richard? Hello. Uh, glad to be back. Sad as to why. <laughs> yes, this is a very interesting kind of piece to be talking about uh, because obviously. Um, you guys were on talking to us about Twin Peaks about three years ago now to make us all feel old. The last time that we had eight, about three years ago. And last time we were on, last we invited you to the kind of, you know, the, the pub cast that we have. We invite our guests back. And basically we were kind of thinking it'd be nice to have you two on again because we actually really enjoyed talking to you. So I got in touch with you and I said, look, guys, 350 movies up for consideration here. The top 250 movies as voted for by IMDb and the bottom 100 movies as well. You can pick any one of those that you want that we have not already covered. And you guys came back to me and you said, you know what we want to talk about? We want to talk about Mac and me. So I have one question to kick us off here. And that question is why? I, I think I mixed up the two lists. I thought this was top 100. <laughs> so I was just shocked. And I was like, well, it must be good then. I'd like the record to show that Darren did indeed ask what we'd like to talk about. And me being indecisive said, let Niall choose. How bad can it go? <laughs> That's a huge, huge mistake. <laughs> you know, in lockdown, you think there are fewer buses to throw each other under, but apparently not, it seems. Um, but like, okay, so had you guys seen Mac and Me before? How familiar were you with Mac and Me when you decided that was what we were going to talk about? I'd seen about? the, so the clip. That was it. <laughs> the, the, oh, I, like that, I like that it's kind of like we're de-incriminating ourselves. <laughs> I just want to distance myself from the movie as much as possible. Um, but Niall, then, if, had you seen the clip or had you seen more than the clip? Would the clip led me to the film, which I, I feel terrible saying now. I've seen this movie <laughs> probably around four or five times. Good <laughs> God. It, um, as soon as I move, I'm living in Wales at the moment doing some, uh, some work. And as soon as I kind of introduced this film to my friends over here, it, it quickly became like a cult favorite, like a kind of room level or birdemic. People love this over here. This is a big movie. <laughs> now it is anyway. Yeah. I like that Niall brought Mac and me to Wales. <laughs> they were such an innocent country beforehand, but now they know. Well, you, you saw it. So you, you watched the clip and then you kind of sorted it out and you kind of saw it. How long ago was that? I mean, we'll maybe talk about the clip in a moment because that seems yeah. to be a gateway a lot of people to it but like how long ago has it been since you first saw it i would i would say it's it's been over a year it was pre-covid definitely <laughs> so like five ten years ago yeah, now it's i can't even tell how it works anymore <laughs> i think it was september 2019 which is a, okay. a month that will always live in infamy <laughs> Um, oh, sorry. I hope you don't mind. I, um, for some reason, after watching the movie, I had a really strong urge just to like order some McDonald's for myself. We don't normally do this on the podcast. I don't know why I had the urge to do it, but I just kind of. So you, I hope you guys won't mind if I just kind of tuck in on the side here, if that's okay. No, go ahead. That's really weird. Not at all. I don't see how those two things line up whatsoever. No, no. You, you know, I haven't had McDonald's in years, 
And it was just all of a sudden when the movie ended, I was like, you know what I really want right now? I want a, you know, a grand Big Mac meal with large fries and I want a shamrock shake and uh, an, an Oreo McFlurry. It's, it's you know, and I, I feel the urge to say these things that I want as well on radio, not just to eat them, but to draw attention to the fact that I'm consuming them. I, I don't know why. It's a very strange, strange thing. Yeah, Completely unrelated to the movie we're like, talking about. McDonald's has never been about the food for me. It's about the dance culture every time I go in. <laughs> I was about to say. It's, it's a pity it's an audio-only medium. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, all right, so let's talk about the clip because the clip seems to have been like the gateway for a lot of people. The clip is basically every time that Paul Rudd appears on Conan O'Brien, I think it started around 2015, 2000, sorry, 2013, 2015 era. When Paul Rudd goes on Conan O'Brien to promote one of his movies, he always promises that he has a clip from that movie. Um, and the clip always inevitably turns out to be an iconic moment for Mac and me. This is a non-spoiler zone of the podcast, but let's face it. If you're watching Mac and me, you know that this is coming. It's a sequence in which the wheelchair-bound protagonist careens down a cliff face and ends up being thrown into the water while it's clearly being a mannequin and is rescued by the eponymous Mac. Um, so, Niall and Richard, you had both seen that clip before. That's how you kind of came to it, which is which is interesting. Uh, well, the thing I assumed about it, I assumed it was like some dramatic, climatic moment of the film. Not just half an hour in, it just happens for seemingly no reason but to sort of set up the Chekhov's large hills that comes into play a bit later on. Uh, yeah, it was more surprising just how nonchalant it was. Just half an hour in, we've moved in two days now, I'll just follow this thing into the car. Oh, cliff. And also the cliff is seeing it again in the full context of the, the full breadth of the film, it's a shockingly large cliff for a, a small wheelbarrow <laughs> child to just fly off of. <laughs> really seems like they probably should have like a better fence at the back of Any their backyard. Any kind of fence really. at all, really, yes. <laughs> Rather than just kind of like, again, because much attention is drawn to how wheelchair like accessible mm. the house is. Look at how level the kind of all the counters are. There are no steps inside. Just the boundaries. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, all the windows you could look out of. Also, there's a cliff out the back that you could easily careen down, um, gathering enough momentum that your your brake on your wheelchair kind of comes off. Um, all right, then. So this was your first time actually watching the movie in aggregate then, I'm assuming, Richard. Yes. Um, <laughs> I put it off for days and days and days. <laughs> um, all right, then. So I guess then before we jump into kind of like the proper discussion of Mac and me, three questions to kick us off. And Niall, you go first. Do you think that Mac and Me belongs on a list of one of the worst 100 movies ever made. I actually don't. Because I think, you know, for us, it's easy to look at this movie and to see how deranged it is. But I've a lot of people I've met who've actually watched this as children, this is kind of okay as a kid's film. Because, you know, all the product placement stuff goes over their heads. <laughs> And I also or into their heads, like yeah. Well, kids, like... kids want McDonald's anyway. What are you going to do? Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I made a very strange double bill just based off the names alone. I watched Malcolm and Marie, and then rewatched Mac and Me, and guess which one I thought was a lot better? It was the one that wasn't in black and white. <laughs> the non-prestige Sam yeah. Levinson mixed wings at his critics uh, movie. What, what a strange movie Malcolm and Marie is to exist. But that's a separate kind of discussion. Yeah. I mean, like one of the things that is kind of mentioned in terms of Back and Me is that obviously it was a product of the 80s, as we mentioned. Um, it was, it was a product kind of, commission of cocaine. So, yeah. 
Same I thing. mean, the aliens, the aliens in the movie are literally coke addicted aliens, just so we're clear. Uh, but we'll come back to talking about that kind of in a moment. But no, it, like it, it existed at a time before VHSs and Betamaxes had really taken off, before home media was really an average part of like the American household. So most people have quite rightly pointed out that Mac and Me appears to bear more than a superficial resemblance to a certain family classic movie about an extraterrestrial. I know. Um, right down to, you know, the fact that like Mac is an acronym for mysterious alien creature, as opposed to E.T. being an acronym for the extraterrestrial. And also the fact that like Mac and Me, the original title for E.T. was E.T. and Me just in case we're getting like how brazen the level of ripping off here was. But I think a lot of reviews around the time kind of made the point, particularly in say the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, made the point that because VHS didn't exist yet and because like movies like E.T. were expensive for movie, for TV shows, TV stations to show in syndication outside of places like HBO where they could actually like pay premium charges for them. For a lot of kids, who wouldn't have had access to, say, the VHS copy of E.T., which I think was actually released in 88, 89, Mac and Me was a perfectly workable substitute. It was the mockbuster equivalent. Um, and it's something that doesn't really exist anymore because all of those movies are now instantly available via streaming. And instead of like making a mockbuster equivalent, you would just make a sequel, a spin-off, or a 13-part prestige drama on Paramount Plus, adapting um, whatever it is you're talking about. So I think, yeah, to be fair to, to what Niall said there, it is an artifact of that moment, I think, of that kind of like of the 80s in many, many, many ways, which I'm sure we'll unpack. But Richard, what about yourself? Coming fresh off it, hot off Mac and Me, do you think that it belongs at number 83 on a list of the 100 worst movies of all time, right above Superman, The Quest for Peace, and right below The Flintstones and Viva Rock Bates? Hmm. Um, yes and no. No, and I think Niall makes some good points. Uh, I think that it's really the product placement that just sets it over the line into being, in theory, the worst one of the worst films ever made. But then again, it's not that much worse than, say, a James Bond film, I suppose, except Bond doesn't visit the Omega factory at some point and get like a dance routine out of it. But shamefully, shameful, I know. Maybe in the reboot, we'll see. Um, like as a perfectly bland, serviceable family film, it's it's largely fine. I think I'd argue the last twenty minutes or so kind of go over the edge in several ways. Maybe not into the worst of all time, but certainly just there's there's essays that we've written there, so. No, but also it's the IMDb list, in which case, yes, because that's a very specific kind of American, well, largely American-centric viewpoint of how good and bad things are. So no in a broad sense, yes in a what list it's on sense. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, to be on the bottom 100 on IMDb, you need to have 10,000 votes and you need to have a very low uh, opinion or very low kind of consensus among those 10,000. So you'll never see something like, say, Batman versus Superman making the list, mm -hmm. but you will see something like 2018's Black Christmas reboot. Uh, making the list for reasons that we, you know, can imagine yes. and talk about and discuss <laughs> at length. Um, in terms of product placement, this is what's interesting about it, is that there is some debate about exactly how Mac and Me came to be. And I apologize for the rhyme there. But like, apparently, so according to the producer, R.J. Lewis, who was very famous, he was writing off the success of The Karate Kid which he made in 1984, the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. And in fact, you'll notice that Mac and Me borrows the basic conceit of the Karate Kid, which is you're a new kid in a new town and you need to make new friends doing cool new things because that's very much what Lewis did as a filmmaker. But he insisted that he 
did not want sponsorship from McDonald's. What he wanted to do was he wanted to raise awareness of disabled children, and in particular, the work that the Ronald McDonald Foundation does in order to like fund the Ronald McDonald Foundation to allow, you know, parents to visit sick kids in hospital to provide social security and social protection for them. And so he wanted this Mac and Me to be, you know, a movie that would make a lot of money at the box office and donate a lot of its proceeds to that very worthy cause. Now, in contrast, director Stuart Raffle has basically said that Lewis is talking out various parts of his anatomy there. According to Raffle, what happened is Lewis made a deal with the set with the meat provider for McDonald's in the Western United States, who had decided that it would be a great idea to make a blockbuster about how wonderful McDonald's is because that would drive McDonald's like stock and shares up. And as a result, would encourage McDonald's to buy more of his produce and help him down the line as well. So, you know, it's, it's, there's some debate about how much product placement there is here. Interesting to note though, that like as much as people complain about the product placement in Mac and Me, E.T. had very famous product placement. Do we remember the product placement in E.T.? Ooh, I don't remember like products specifically. I remember obviously there's like a Yoda shout out, but I don't know if they got anything out of that other than a John Williams reference. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, it was it was the Hershey's uh, Reese's Pieces um... where they agreed to spend one million dollars promoting ET in exchange for the rights to use ET in its ads, and obviously within the movie. ET developing a taste for Reese's Pieces, um, and like again, it's kind of interesting. As like Richard pointed out, it's not necessarily that like product placement is new or unusual in a movie because obviously like it existed in the movie that this is ripping off, but also there's just something so incredibly craven and naked about it in Mac and Me <laughs> to the point where like the main character, the main alien is literally named in honor of the sandwich from the big company that you are trying to get a payday from. Which is 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 something to behold, I think. I was wondering, was the the Sears product placement in it? Was that um something Zack Snyder was trying to bring back in <laughs> Man of Steel, <laughs> his own <laughs> alien tale? I mean, clearly, it's all part of the shared same Sears universe. No, apparently, that happened organically, according to director Stuart Raphael, who's insisted the only products that he was told he had to include were McDonald's, Coca Cola, and uh, what was the other one? The other one was oh, the Skittles. Apparently it was like he just thought Sears worked because like Sears is a big American brand. And we'll probably come back to the Americanness of the story in a moment. Um, and Niall then, would it be on your own least favorite 100 films, your own personal list? Is it among the worst 100 films you have ever seen? Oh God, no. Because if a list I made like that would be all films I actually hate watching that like physically pain me almost. And I, I never <laughs> get that from this because I do find it interesting even when it's boring all the product placement stuff you can read into and try and unravel it from a producer's point of view it's like why is this happening now and what trend are they trying to follow maybe that's just more just a strictly me thing but I do, i'm not miserable watching mac and me i feel a lot of fear at times which i'll get into but never miserable all right so you do enjoy it i do a, a lot more with friends watching it in covid times was <laughs> Was trickier um but um all right then what about yourself richard is this among like coming fresh off and apologies for that but it also you know we're getting a hot read is this one of the worst 100 movies that you have ever seen i don't know i haven't thought long enough about what films i have seen if it makes like 100 <laughs> is a lot so in theory maybe but probably probably not like it, it's more inert than anything else like i didn't actively find myself overly offended bar maybe the very end of it but 
No, I think it's it's competently made. It's just sort of, as Niall says, with other people, it'll be fine on your own, sitting there trying to take detailed <laughs> notes about it. It's like, this is homework and this is a hassle, but it's not painful. <laughs> Apart from, okay, yeah, the product placement now and again. Because like, you're saying with the ET thing, like that weirdly in my brain feels less offensive because it's if they're doing you know synergistic advertising fine when it's just let's all just sit around with cans of coke just like propped up in front of us and holding bags of skittles perfectly placed to the camera like this just feels worse somehow despite being nominally no really different but uh or or even like arguably like more naked like more mm. honest about it in that like when you're watching a james bond movie and you're like hey heineken it's it doesn't feel, you know, it feels like they're trying to needle you a little bit. Yeah. As opposed to here, it's like, no, this is this is what it is. This is very aware of what it is. And it's not ashamed of letting you know what it is. Is there something you said for that honesty? Uh, I, maybe. Uh, I think a recent example that always comes to my brain is, brain is Age of Ultron, when the, I think it's the bit when Banner and Natasha have like the serious chat post-shower about her not being other kids. <laughs> so. But it is a bit where it, it's shot from the bathroom he just came from and there's a can of... Um, can't even remember Gillette uh, Gillette shaving foam very perfectly in shot but out of focus but you can recognize the colors and it's like that's such mm. a like, that's the Mac and me level of sort of almost I suppose just as you're saying nakedness opposed to sort of more bond like it exists in the world and sort of makes sense to be there like Heineken I, I want to come back around because I've been kind of light in this film but we're you're kind of treating the product placement like a bit too lightly considering Coca-Cola is actually quite a big plot point it's like the elixir yeah. of life in this film. <laughs> yeah. Like the aliens literally wander around with straws. Yeah. <laughs> like, to be clear, because obviously they care about good dental work. And we'll come back to that in, that in a moment. All right, then, before we jump into the spores, and then one final question. If listeners have not seen Mac and Me yet, if they have for some reason gone through their lives at this point, having never seen the classic Mac and Me, would you recommend that they seek it out, watch it, and join us on their side of the spoiler zone? I think, forgotten how, how greasy McDonald's chips were. I, I think it's a it's a see it to believe it kind of movie, because even trying to describe <laughs> it to someone, it's so manic. And I think just for if they can get into the first half hour just to see the wheelchair cliff scene in context, I think they'll be rewarded. They could turn it off after that. <laughs> oh, disagree! No, no, no. That's the initial hurdle. Once you got past that bit, then the good <laughs> stuff really starts. Like the last twenty minutes is incredible. Oh yeah, I was no, kind I, of I, getting I, bored at that point. Then that happened. I was like, what, what is going on? I actually can't follow what's currently like the train of events. It's wild. So yes, I guess I'd recommend it, but not on your own and not with a pen oh. and paper taking notes while sober. Not, not as homework. Not as homework. <laughs> I feel really bad that Richard got drawn into this. I feel like I should have asked Richard separately what he wanted to talk about. You did. I just hadn't got any firm ideas, so I was happy. No, I'm happy to be told what to do. Homework and assignments are fine. It's like being in college again. You, sh- you should have individually asked us what our headspaces were before you yeah. asked us to choose. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, Richard, what about yourself? Would you recommend people watch it? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, once. <laughs> what? Put it on the background and like come in and out for the last half an hour. <laughs> um, all right, then, with that in mind, then we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone.
but with that in mind, then I am going to have some of my uh, Shamrock Shake. I don't even know what goes into it, um, which is probably for the best. Um, They're a disquieting color, to say the least. They are indeed. Hold on. Oh, that's not fair. That's not cool. They gave me a Coke. More appropriately. They They must have known. They they must have known. Wow. That is a little bit. um, Okay. All right. Well, I guess we're doing it. I guess I'm having a Coke then. I felt Uh, bad. They did give me a straw. I was going to whine because they only had Coke Zero, and I don't know if that works. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't contain that sweet, sweet, life giving sugar. Um, All right. All right. So, oh, hold on. Actually, we have have Andrew here. Two seconds. Ah, success. All right. Um, some modicum of success um, <laughs> amongst many failures. Um, all right. We're actually you joined perfectly. We're we're just on the spoiler zone, so we can almost literally cue you in when you're ready. When you start recording, that's there, fine. You, you don't mind if I eat? No. Well, we're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, yeah. Sorry, you said you had to go out and pick something up. What were you picking up at? I I was I was I was going to get some breakfast. But the, I was too late for breakfast, so I figured I'd go for lunch. And the place, the place was closed. It's, I, I guess since the last lockdown, they've closed. Where did you go? You said you just had to go somewhere. You said you had an urge to just go somewhere. Yeah, there, there, there was a McDonald's in in, ah, okay. in the uh, in the shopping center in Monaghan. It, it's it, it's fucking closed. Like first, the pandemic <laughs> takes buffet breakfast. And now this. I don't I don't know if you guys have a McDonald's where you are. Alright, thank you. So now that we're in the spoiler zone, um oh, Niall appears to also be consuming some sort of McDonald's product. So I guess that means Richard, it's up to you. Richard, what is Mac and Me about for you? Um Okay, well the the poster answer is family and acceptance and blah, blah, blah. the uh, the art student answer is the horrifying reverse body snatchers assimilation of American capitalism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about the family aspect first? Or do you want to talk about the reverse assimilation of American <laughs> capitalism? Uh, well, okay. So it's an eighties movie. So single mom is a fairly standard trope. I think. To what you were saying about the the in theory noble intentions, having a, a wheelchair bound protagonist is novel, and it did remind me of kind of the modern sort of corporate woke thing of you just put something like that in a movie just so you can say you put it in a movie. Uh, I'm still not sure I fully believe what you just said about the the charity option, but sure, let, let's assume that's real. Uh, I guess it's nice that there, it does. The reading of it is generally that Lewis wanted in with McDonald's, mm. like. McDonald's up until this point, as absurd as it sounds, had not yet gotten into the corporate sponsorship game. Um, and apparently the there's, the rumor is, or the speculation is, that what, uh, and like, if you read interviews with Lewis, he boasts about it. He was the first person to have an exclusive sponsorship deal with McDonald's. And that was a big deal to him. So there has been some suggestion, whether fairly or not, or cynically or not, that he basically used the Ronald McDonald charity as an excuse to get his foot in the door and to get this exclusive kind of licensing agreement with them. Now, it should be noted that as soon as that happened, Disney swooped in. And I think we talked in the podcast before about like 90s Happy Meals and uh, you know, sort of the, the idea that like in the 90s you had um, like your, your Disney tie-in Happy Meal. So apparently as soon as McDonald's opened the gates with Mac and me, like just everything kind of happened. I after. was almost going to get a knockoff McRib, 
um, rosters have some sort of a McRib. Um, I feel I feel like the disappointing mother who's been asked for McDonald's and, and has brought kind of some um, uh, uh, knockoff version. I know it, I I really ought to have gotten the McRib because McDonald's don't do the McRib anymore, or at least they they they, they used to have them when we were um, getting like Aladdin Happy Meals with the Mustafa who, who, um, <laughs> whose arms would go up. Um, yeah. Or, 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 like, I, I presume there, 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 there were probably better versions of, of, of that Happy Meal toy. But, um, So were Happy Meal toys not a thing before all this then? Because as a, as a child of the 90s, I only know the Happy Meal toys. I didn't know there was an era before them, really. It's amazing, like, the amount of things that are re- re- relatively recently. Like, I think in our lifetime, and I may be wrong, but I feel like there there have been a number of things. Um, obviously, we'll know the more recent ones, but I think, like, McDonald's breakfast mightn't have been a thing kind of um, until the 80s. I think even the McNuggets might, 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 might have been a relatively recent um, invention, which is crazy because, like, it, mm-hmm. it's so kind of integral. To, to I guess what we would think of as McDonald's. Although I feel like those um, those tender strips are, are um, what do you call them? The chicken selects, like they're supplanting. I think we're just having a McDonald's review out podcast here. <laughs> no, we're talking about the movie. <laughs> yeah, there is no separation between True. the two. Well, again, like what's what's interesting is that like. Because Mac and Me exists on the other side of this, right? Because obviously Mac and Me was like before McDonald's had kind of gone big on like sponsorship and brand placement and marketing directly to kids. When I got the urge after watching Mac and Me to order a McDonald's for myself, I got a little pop up telling me that if my address is a school, McDonald's will refuse to deliver there. I also like McDonald's have said that they're not advertising directly to children anymore as a result of Supersize Me. They've kind of cut down on their spending and their targeting. Well, and they've said they got. Um, it's because Ronald McDonald is on like a list. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, He's not allowed near schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think it was a wise decision. To, like, as, as great as the Ronald McDonald charities are, um, it was. I think it was a wise decision to take Ronald McDonald out of any kind of marketing. He's weird. Um, they, but they did like the mascot they made to replace him might be worse. <laughs> Have you seen him? No. It's like a, a Happy oh, Meal I... box with human eyes and teeth. Oh, it's just yes. really intense. Okay. I've seen... like a, a I've... slight anecdote. When I was a child, I would not go into McDonald's because I was so scared of clowns. <laughs> I just I couldn't. And in Dublin Airport, they had that bench with him on. Yes. I was like, I never want to fly again. <laughs> I yeah they 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 had a sexy hamburger recently as well. Mm-hmm. That I can get into. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he 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 was like a a full like he was a snack, a full meal. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, do 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 keep away from schools. Um, yeah, it, it's um sorry, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> I, I do wish Mac had become the McDonald's mascot. Mm. <laughs> In a different universe. A better um, universe. I mean, it's worth noting, actually, because you mentioned Ronald McDonald, and he does appear in this movie playing himself, which I do love in the credits. Yeah. The credits actually have starring Ronald McDonald as himself. I thought it was kind of like, it was very much to the spirit of the movie. <laughs> it was very much to the spirit of the movie that we were watching. But he was played by Squire Friddell, 
who had apparently starred as Ronald McDonald in nearly 50 commercials from 85 to 91. And it's great because they've done interviews with the, the actor Squire Friddle, uh, which is a great Ronald McDonald name. I'm disappointed he's called Ronald McDonald now and just not Squire Friddle. But apparently Friddle said, you know, Mac and me was, and I quote, kind of a disappointment. Um, <laughs> he thought it was E.T.? In, <laughs> yeah. In the, in the first script we got, Ronald was featured all the way through. He became this kind of otherworldly support for the little boy. Then time went on. And whenever you have committee meetings, things change drastically. So apparently, yes, Ronald McDonald's really supposed to be like the imaginary friend of the, of the character here. I love here. that idea. It's like, let's just brainstorm here. Anyone have any other ideas? And it's like, that's Ronald? And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's Ronald. And Ronald's like, oh, who, what, uh, what, how about more Ronald? How about the same amount? <laughs> yeah, all ideas are good. Yeah, yeah, just throw them From out. what I heard, this was originally planned as a trilogy, and Ronald was going to die in the first one, but appear as a ghost <laughs> train man in the next two films. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of like the product placement and kind of jumping out, like, did it, like... <laughs> Is this the most product placement that we've ever seen? Has there ever been anything kind of that, that feels more egregious? I didn't than this? think it was too bad. Like, I... <laughs> sorry, Andrew. What? What do you got there? Sorry, it's just a coke. Hold on. All right. <laughs> oh, what you got? What? It sounds like something's rustling there. What's going on? Sorry. No, I, I was right. just saying. I, well, you need your I energy. Don't, I okay. don't think. I don't think the. I don't think the product placement is too invasive. I think I think the movie has kind of like a good flow, um, in spite in, sp in in spite of the product placements. I kind of hardly noticed that it, that 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 there was like some somebody pointed out. I think it was like on Twitter about all of the about all of the Skittles stuff and the <laughs> the Coke and McDonald's and all that sort of thing. Well, I I I didn't see it really. What well, What about you guys? What do you think? Um, so yeah, Richard, you kind of mentioned that in terms of like your initial response to it. What like is is <laughs> how much product placement do you think there was? Is it the most egregious example that you've seen? And kind of like, is it is it is it what the movie is? Is the movie anything except that? I did start taking notes eventually because obviously the big ones, McDonald's, <laughs> Coke, Skittles. Uh, but then there's like, hang on, check my notes. There was. United Van Hire Energizer Bubblegum, which I guess is its own brand. I'm not sure. There was some kind of bank very visibly in the background a few times, which I presume is a real bank. Probably more than that. <laughs> I mean, there is also like the sequence where Mac and me kind of gets in the little kind of speed racer car, um, which oh, yeah. exists for no reason whatsoever except to sell you the remote control car. And I'm trying to remember the brand. Uh, that is because it was actually an 80s brand of remote control car so it's kind of striking it, uh in that sense like it's it, it, it's 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 fairly egregious oh it's power wheels it's power oh, yeah, wheels yeah. like the sequence power, where, power wheels where, where... that's the one yeah. um do we and, have, like i love do, to... do we manage to get any money from power wheels by the way um, <laughs> Unfortunately not, Andrew. I'm sorry. We're not recording this remotely while power wheelsing down the neighborhood. Um, You're near a steepest hill. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, also even like, I love that, like, even within the movie, all of the points, all of the plot points, all of the characters exist in relation to product placement. Like, how does Mac find his family? By looking at a Wix lumber billboard. That's like how everything is situated in the context of the movie. There is nothing that exists outside of commercialism and consumerism. 
It's just like, yeah, where's the product? How do we point to the product? Where are the characters in relation to the product right now? It's it's amazing. But Niall, sorry, you mentioned we thought like we'd gone a bit easy on the product placement at kind of the start of the podcast. What do you think in terms of its use of kind of you know all those signifiers? Well, I think it's a a pretty beautiful story because the more Mac and his family take in products and advertising, it helps them become American citizens at the end of the movie. It's got a full <laughs> through line. I think it's making a point in the worst way possible. Yeah. It's like Orion a, a, a wanted a companion piece to Robocop. <laughs> it's like, let, let, let's hear the argument for the defense. Um, <laughs> All these omni-global major considerations. Uh, yeah, major it's like, might McDonald's have some sort of a military application? <laughs> um, well, we, we could fill Kuwait with fast food. Um, that's kind of like one of the, anyway, sorry. Well, no, because I mean, that's, that's actually interesting. When we asked like Richard what the movie was about, that was the second half, the kind of artsy, like art student answer to what Mac and Me is about, which is, it is very much this theme of immigration and assimilation, but like assimilation through consumerism, Mm -hmm. like Mac and his family are literally aliens who come to America and cannot speak English but who managed to become more American than Americans simply by the act of drinking Coca-Cola and eating McDonald's. And owning a it, gun, briefly. Yeah, no, they're, they're also <laughs> being drafted into the military-industrial complex. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and just like like listening to the, to the whole kind of speech yeah, at the, the end citizen. is like, um, and, and you may be required to fight in wars. And, and you yes, may be... that's it out to me too. Yeah. yeah, required to bear arms, kind of. And if you're not bearing arms, you may need to kind of feed a clip of ammo to somebody bearing arms. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think something that makes all of this more disturbing is it's not just that they, they come to America, it's they're brought to America against their will. So there's historical precedent that makes this kind of distressing when you add it all together. But they're light-skinned, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thankfully, any anything that might have to do with them being disliked because of any difference they may have, whether superficial or in terms of character or culture from Americans, are completely erased at the end. So, you know, I mean, everything works itself out. It's a very 80s movie in a number of ways. Uh, most obviously, like, it is, like, that weird 50s nostalgia that you have kind of running through it. Um, and again, obviously, like Back to the Future being a prime example in 80s cinema, like Ellen Silvestri did the score, I think, for this as well. It's very um, and Silvestri, you have... isn't it? Like, I think I complained really... before about the Marvel <laughs> movies and how kind of just kind of middle of the road. Um, there, Like, he does it very well, but like, it, it, it's, it, I don't think Alan Silvestri... Well, I, I, I guess maybe, maybe there, there, there is a kind of like a fan base um, uh, uh, for that, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be my own cup of tea. Like I love um, Back to the Future. I just couldn't help but feeling that it sounded very <laughs> Back to the Futurey. I'm trying to think what would be the perfect moment in Mac and Me for the Avengers theme to suddenly kick in. <laughs> is it when they all appear in the supermarket? Yeah, it's got to be that moment where all four of them are in shop together and crucially they're consuming and Chuck Norris is in the background for maximum 80s kind of Chuck Norris is in the background. um, Yeah, well, he's on, of course, because it's an 80s movie and this is all product placement. He's on the cover of Kapow uh, cleaning wipes that are stacked behind the uh, giant pyramid of like red Coke cans. 
I can understand though, like the film's primary focus being oh, the they s- Strip away commercialism and there's more like more brands behind it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they knock over the Cokes and there's just a whole lot of um, um, ShamWow. <laughs> Chuck Norris cleaning wipes, which is great, which I kind of adore. But I mean, like, it, again, it is that kind of like 50s nostalgia, because again, like E.T., E.T. was also 50s nostalgia. There are aliens among us, you know, extraterrestrials coming to Earth. But here you get like, well, we can, what if those aliens happen to be like the stereotypical American suburban family? Like one of the weirdest aspects of the movie is that the aliens are so alien in terms of like design and kind of like they're stretchy and they're warpy and they're ugly. And life They're not like they're not. Seemingly can't and lifeless, and yeah, but but have like very careful eyes. We'll talk about the puppet design in a moment. But like, despite looking so different from human beings, there's still a father, son, a father, mother, daughter, son, and the mother still like has breasts and is still like dressed. The father's allowed to wander around completely naked over the second half of the film, but the mother still has to cover up well, because got, you know we don't want like a he's got smooth, nipple gate, right? um, Kendall genitalia. <laughs> Presumably these that, are one of fair, those aliens who mate with their hands. Um, uh, it could be like a dog. It could like pop out. I, I don't know how to do the shape of water movement. That's right. She does. <laughs> I imagine it's something horrific. Like there, there, oh, there, God, yeah. yeah, there, there was a lot of this movie that, like, you know, because like, please, I'm trying to eat my Oreo McFlurry here, Andrew. Right. There, 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 be some like maybe they only mate one time in their life, and at that point. Oh. Like the the skin rips open or something. I don't know. I, I'm um, starting to wonder: is that a mouth on their face? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's very mm. it's very small. It's just the right size for Skittles um. <laughs> <laughs> and Coca Cola. Crucially, well, I mean, isn't that like Nathan Rabin and kind of Keith Phipps pointed out? I kind of love this quote: "The creepy little alien's mouth <laughs> is permanently is permanently fixed in the O shape of a blow up sex doll." Although the average sex doll is more animated and has more dignity than Mac. Mac and me's alien doesn't so much move as he twitches and blurbles randomly over the course of the film. It's hideousness and comic inexpressiveness engendering a morbid fascination. Suspension of disbelief becomes impossible. Mac is never (laughs) anything more than a poorly manipulated puppet. So yeah, the, the puppetry is is interesting to say the least. I think that is it's a it's a very good point that like at no at 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 no time do we do we consider this to be anything but a puppet. Um, I feel like anyway, maybe at the end when they're made Americans, <laughs> they become real. We people. feel like they're real people. Um, well, I know it's I know it's cheating, but when he does his Buffalo Bill thing and puts on that bear skin, <laughs> starts dancing around. Oh my it's god! Like, then it's just a person, yeah. significantly that's larger exactly, child. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly why they put him in the Buffalo Bear skin because they wanted a musical dance number in McDonald's because they wanted that sweet, sweet production value. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, but he can't dance. So what's our solution? We'll dress a kid up in a teddy bear costume and say that it's Mac." I kind of love the problem-solving aspect. They, of this. Would you they not- covered their bases as well, which is very good filmmaking. It's like let's <laughs> let's do it two different ways. Let's do a dance number in the parking lot, and let's do another one in in the and we'll use one of them. <laughs> we'll see, yeah, we'll we'll see how audiences react yeah, to this. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's not maybe there's not enough dancing in this movie. Maybe we need another one. Oh no! I, I was just gonna say, speaking of covering bases, I feel like the stretchy limbs 
were something that only were written in once they saw the puppets and how much they could move. It's like, oh, okay, Mac can't possibly grab that Coca-Cola. We're going to have to come up with something. Well, I mean, it is worth pointing out that, like, the, and, I, and you guys are not going to believe this. I think, the, like, we've discussed how carefully put together the movie is, how immaculately constructed with care, affection, and plan from the ground up. Would it surprise you guys to learn that it was actually written at weekends during pre-production by Stuart Raphael, who the director who'd been drafted in and told that, like, the directive is I'm making E.T. with a wheelchair-bound kid. That he basically looked at the puppet, wrote the script at weekends, went to locations, continued writing the script at weekends, and would have fresh pages, like, every Monday morning for the crew. Well, that's how, that's how David Lynch works, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it suits a family E.T. ripoff. There yeah. isn't a Razorhead vibe to it, certainly. <laughs> it's, um, didn't, didn't uh, Burger King had a wheelchair mascot as well? Remember they would, they would have, like, kind of Burger King kids, and one of them was, 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 was he called Wheels, or, or am I... Um... Oh. I think that's an X-Men joke. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of that Nick Kroll uh, Wheels Ontario thing. Um... But, to be fair, like, it does also seem vaguely tone-deaf to have a movie in which you're, like, have a wheelchair-bound, like, both character and actor. Because I did actually, to be fair, cast a wheelchair-bound kid in the role, which was very, you know, credit where credit's due. But to then have a big sequence where he's taken to McDonald's, and everybody dances around him. It does feel just a little bit a tad insensitive. Nobody really kind of thought that through in terms of subtext or how this looks, right? I hadn't thought of it, but I think I think you're right. I'd forgotten he's even in that scene until you said it there. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a bit... he, he does have like an alien on his lap the whole time too. So <laughs> even if he wasn't in a wheelchair, he probably wouldn't be dancing. That's fair, I suppose. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> they thought about this. They thought about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine they didn't think about this. They, they, like they, they, you know, they, 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 they worked hard to, uh, like, even at weekends, <laughs> especially at weekends. Um, especially at weekends. To get Speaking this, of yeah. the dance scene, is there any context for it? Because I, I, I was very confused <laughs> why it was happening. Like, is this happened every weekend at McDonald's? Is this a thing that they plan for someone's birthday? Is it just because it's LA? Why is it <laughs> happening? They've stopped doing it now since the pandemic. Um, but, uh, yeah, McDonald's cut down and after supersized me because they felt like it marketed directly to kids. It was one of those things like they no longer deliver to schools. They no longer have like dance routines. I, I think where they did they realize that if everyone's just sat in McDonald's eating, it's not dynamic at all. <laughs> so they went the complete <laughs> other extreme. Yeah, actually, think of, think of that. There's not a whole lot of seeing people actually eat in a movie. No, like McDonald's. There's a lot more drinking Coca-Cola and just being <laughs> near the food. And yeah. trying to steal Coca-Cola as well. There is, there is... Yeah. Stealing Sprite at one point. Like, smashing a window <laughs> to terrifying. steal Sprite. <laughs> that is really they're, scary. Yeah. They're, 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 like, like, a lot of good movies play with genre. Kind of in ways that aren't, you know, jarring and upsetting. But, like, the... the, the this movie, it fe- like like a lot of the time, it feels like this kind of harrowing dislocation drama and like like a horror movie, a disaster movie. Um, there's a moment where like there's a few moments where everybody dies. Um, yeah, um, well, we'll come back to come back to that in a second because like there, there's like an interesting story behind that scene. But like when you say it as a horror movie, I'm thinking of the sequence where they like repeatedly characters get sucked into vacuum cleaners, which is a very strange recurring motif. But like the the bit where they open up the probe and find Mac inside, and like the the, mm. the steam it and the like steam alien, is blowing. Doesn't it? Yeah. That's exactly his, his little 
gnarled hand. Yeah, like Independence Day. Yeah. Like it reminded me a lot of Independence Day. But like his little gnarled kind of like fetus, warped fetus fingers, kind of reaching out with the backlight behind them. I was like, this is not going to end well for anybody in this room. But you're saying about the score, and I think the score much as it's very generic it really does salvage it because it is otherwise a horror film like a lot of those shots are just so uncanny and just if there was no score over them they'd be horrifying <laughs> there was the one i keep thinking about is when he gets splattered across the windshield initially oh. if it wasn't oh. like whimsical score over it it was a nightmare of like cronenberg body horror that, or actually even at the a end horrific car crash dude <laughs> yeah that is? Again, like, cronenberg what the, what, so what james spader's getting off to it yeah <laughs> Like the bit where the jeep lands on the car, but now to be fair, they do do like the classic Batman thing where it's like everybody gets out of the car afterwards, show you that nobody's except dead. one guy who's like covered in fire extinguisher stuff, but still is slightly on fire in one arm for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Mac doesn't break his one rule in this movie. We're saving that for a sequel. In uh, yeah, in fairness, kind of that. Yeah, I I know I was a bit hard on on Sylvester a moment ago, but yeah, it does. It does helpfully kind of hold your hand um, and, and tell you, like... To be fair, nothing else yeah, is going to do this, that. This, yeah. It might seem like something is awry here, but everything's fine. <laughs> this is still a children's movie. Um, all is well. I think, I think the best example of that is during the ending sequence when they're, they emerge from the flames like the spawn of Satan. And if the omen music was playing over it, it would have been perfect. But instead you get this whimsical, like, light, la, 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 main theme again. It's like, this is just so discordant. Yeah, that's like that moment in the third act of every Terminator. Yeah. The skeleton <laughs> yeah. comes out of the flames. Okay, well, let's let's talk about those those closing 20 minutes, because I think Richard singled those out as like, you know, he was kind of like dull and dreary and kind of generic up until that point. And then stuff gets very, very real very, very quickly. Um, There's a lot of crying. What, what is it about... <laughs> there is a lot of crying and like and like it's great when you watch the movie with the commentary because it is available on blu-ray from shout factory the great house that gave us uh for example two or three years ago we talked about texas chainsaw massacre the next generation shout factory do these wonderful loving special editions for terrible terrible movies where they like reassemble the cast and crew to talk about it and like the director who clearly has no idea of how people actually see his movie was just talking about how difficult it is for actors to match crying in the kind of wide shot, the master shot and in close up. And, you know, I mean, I think I did a good enough job of kind of sinking those two in the movie where like <laughs> extreme distance characters are writhing on the ground. And then when you get in close, it's like, ah, it's. Well, yeah. I mean, because, um, because like a, a, a child has died. Um, and I, I think as well that like the only, the only thing that stopped Mac and his family from dying in that explosion was um, but for, for the power that they got from our human son. Um, <laughs> presumably they don't have, like, it doesn't work like this on their own planet. Although they do get sucked into that probe. Yeah, how does it work on their own planet? There appear to be only like four of them They're on their own planet. <laughs> there have always been four of them. This answers Andrew's questions about how they procreate. everything else. <laughs> <laughs> It's like consumed it. I love the idea that like they're post. Oh my God. Are they sent back in time? Are they the future of like American life? Just kind of sent back kind of like Grant Morrison, Superman style, where it turns out that, you know, actually it's all a paradox. The uh, it's like planet of the apes, except they've been sent back. This is the future of like our Coke and, you know, McDonald's addicted nation. Perhaps that would make sense because they do have like a little 
technically quite advanced looking straw thing on their home planet and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> literally all they do is consume. There's, um, there's, there's life giving coke that comes from the earth, um, <laughs> from their pla- um, soil. Um, yeah, which straws. is Mars, seemingly. Is it actually? I think, yeah, the pro because the credits mentioned Mars like five minutes, isn't it? I, yeah, that was the quickest space mission I've ever seen in my life. It was down, probe, and gone in under five minutes. It's like it, it was just waiting to catch anything. I didn't, I don't know much about probes, but <laughs> that's some good probing right yeah. there. I, I mean, and the fact that like the scientists, when they do it, they're just like, yeah, no, we should probably, it's a bit heavy. I love like the the in scientific accuracy of it, it just seems a bit heavy, you know. Um. So what are we going to do? We're going to just crack it open. Do you think we should take any extra precautions? Nah, nah, nah. It'll be grand. Let's just crack this baby open and see what's inside. I feel like the movie didn't necessarily take the big steps to get to where it wanted to go. But like to bring it back to the ending there, the ending's worth worth unpacking kind of um, because apparently there is a Japanese, uh, and as our resident Mac and Me enthusiast, I'm curious if Niall knows about this, the Japanese cut of Mac and Me. Yes. Are you familiar with I this? am familiar I, I have I have seen the clip in question. It was going around Twitter. It's on YouTube, yeah. Uh, you're, oh, it's, it's on it, <laughs> and it, it's um, it's weird. It's not actually. I think it's it's oh, in Japan only. Their their VHS release of this movie had it, and I yeah. think it. From what I understand, it might have been a mistake. <laughs> uh, do you want to explain? Should, it? Okay. okay, okay. So <laughs> basically, if you have watched the movie, if you've watched the movie. Um, and you pay particular attention at the climax when a supermarket appears to be filled with TNT and gasoline <laughs> and just explodes dramatically for no reason. You'll notice during that shot that like the, the kid is superimposed um, over the front of the shot. Like his, he's, he's penciled in, basically, he's stenciled in in front of the fire. And you can tell because it looks like somebody took a photocopy of a picture of him and just kind of pasted it over the I flames. I thought it was an empty wheelchair. Well, no, it's, it's no, because his body slumped and everything badly. Yeah, he slumped. He slumped in it. Um, and the reason why he slumped in it, and this is amazing, is because in the version that Andrew saw, which I'm assuming is the American version, you'll notice that like when he wheels out to try and tell them or try to stop them from you know doing something crazy or getting shot by the cops, you'll notice that one of the cops tries to run after him but trips over the car, the cop car. Um, in the Japanese cut of the movie, when he trips over the cop car he fires his gun randomly in the direction of the kid and shoots him. And like, there's actually a blood squib on the kid killing him. Um, like, so he careens Headshot? in front of the, no, no unfortunately, chest shot. Chest shot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing because like, at, you can tell that obviously at some point in some test screening, somebody said, no, 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 we can't do that. So what, what are we going to do? Blow up the supermarket, I guess. Um, it's, it's a very, very strange. What well, they did, they did both though, which is the weirder yeah. thing. It wasn't between one or two. They just had to get rid of one in the edit. So just the force of the explosion near him kills him. Yeah, yeah. Even though it looks like he's still slumped over from a gunshot. Yeah. Um, like, you would imagine that if a force of an explosion killed you, it would maybe blow you and your wheelchair, which has terrible brakes, backwards. But no, you apparently just slump forward in your wheelchair. Do you know was this included on that that fancy Blu-ray, The Shout Factory? It was. 
it was not it's never even mentioned nobody seems to bring it up it's kind of like it's a weird kind of cult thing because i was surprised because the, the commentary goes into a lot of depth like apparently jennifer aniston was an extra on the movie for example um and nikki cox i believe also appeared in the famous mcdonald's dance sequence but no 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 mention of the like, the, the weird sequence where a cop kills a kid and then they blow up a supermarket which you imagine would be the kind of thing that What's you want the to guy talk from about die <laughs> oh well this is this is uh, interesting as well because like that would that would line up chronologically. Now you know according to according to Or J Lewis, um, like he says the movie test screened through the roof. This is the producer, by the way. This is the guy who went in, the only man who has ever had a sponsorship deal with McDonald's. He will tell you repeatedly. He wants you to know, like big studios like Paramount so great, and MG. By the way, is like first corporate sponsorship test screened. Through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> like, he he's Lewis says he has offers from big studios like Paramount and MGM after test audiences rated the movie more favorably than Tootsie, one of the most successful comedies of all time. Oh, and and um, another another Christine Ebersole joint as well. Um, she she she. I I feel like she's quite good in this. She's the she's the yeah. the, the the mother. The mother. She she was she was in. She was in SNL for those like for that yes. year when when it got really bad and they kicked everyone else aside from <laughs> I think it was like Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo were the only ones who 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 weren't kind. Um, but but per, perhaps unfairly, I think that happens in SNL a lot where like pe- people get like attached to the old cast and they're like it's not good anymore. And often it's not Clear good. About. Um, that's <laughs> it's never good. That's no. <laughs> Like in my in my weird meager defense of this movie, I do think like the cast generally is fine. Like there's no like rotten kids because I I like everyone else <laughs> in the internet is watching WandaVision and those are some rotten kids. Holy cow! I they ruin it for me when they're on screen. I'm sorry. I'm the guy who like complains about child actors. Well, you know it's. But not I'd rather very... have Mac and me. It I I blame casting. Um, I think like yes, with, for, with, the, for with, kids, generally speaking, with, with with kid with kid actors, like it's all just kind of casting, like um, and like I'm 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 I I I I like it when you see a child actor in a movie and they're good, and then they're in a second good movie, and you're mm. like maybe they're good, maybe it was the chosen one, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they I I Drew Barrymore. No, it's true. All all the all the kids was great. Like 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 I I think Debbie in this could probably go toe to toe with Drew Barrymore. Um, handy enough. I thought she was brilliant. Um, she she was like the little kid who's um, who's who's friends with I I I, I can't the next door neighbor exactly. basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is she, is she the kid who's introduced in a teepee? With a parrot on top, yes, yes. which I thought yep. was like something from <laughs> Twin Peaks. Like, I that was rad. She's Courtney's younger sister. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's laying the movie's kind of subtext on a bit heavy. I think Mac and Me doesn't give its audience enough credit. It's like, no, no, no. What this really is is about a literal push westwards, manifest destiny, the American dream, consumerism. It's all stirring up in there. I think putting Debbie in the teepee is very much prefiguring the idea that these aliens are going to have to give up their own culture in order to be assimilated and accepted yeah. i think this is just brilliant storytelling is what i think it was like the, the last act of parasite where he's wearing a headdress <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean do we know that bong joon ho didn't watch mac and me and take it's, notes we it's don't. also like the no, revenant with, with the with the bear um <laughs> 
Dabes. Um, it is actually worth, worth noting that uh, Tina Caspery or Katrina Caspery, who plays Courtney as well, she was the first Kelly Bundy. Um, she appeared in the pilot of Married with Children um, and then was replaced by Christina Applegate. She's the sister who works at McDonald's because everybody, everybody in this movie has some relation to product placement or sponsorship, to be clear. By the way, whose birthday was it? It was some random person's birthday. It wasn't any of the kind of central people. What? It, it, am, am I right? Like it wasn't Debbie's birthday. Yep, yep. Courtney just nope. worked there. Um, yep. They were they were just they, they just got invited to a birthday party of somebody who, um, is is it the person whose coke gets stolen? Um, <laughs> what a great birthday present! Um, <laughs> like what what a rotten thing being invited to a birthday party where you're working the venue. Too? I thought that was really really crappy of them. I hope Why they, that McDonald's? I wonder do they get any kind of a friends and family discount? By the way. <laughs> with McDonald's, yeah. Well, I mean, again, well, that was actually shot in the show McDonald's because apparently they have a McDonald's that he used to train staff apparently in California, and its sole purpose is to train staff. So instead of shutting down an actual McDonald's to shoot those scenes, they were able to shoot this on the training McDonald's, which again feels kind of like the Disneyland version of McDonald's, which is what probably why Ronald McDonald was just kind of hanging around. To be fair, it's good and as they well. Double, they double booked it with that dance troupe. <laughs> what a what a mistake! Or an opportunity. Do you know that in Chinese, the word for crisis and opportunity is the same word, Niall? Oh, is that featured in Mac and Me? <laughs> is that a brand too? Well, they were just training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, now, now the McDonald's staff know what to do. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like, like when, when he's dancing in the bear suit, you would think that you would think the bear suit would become, would be the part of the movie that would like solve a problem. And itself would be like unimpeachable, you know, where it's like, we've got this terrible puppet, but you know what? We have something coming up that's going to, that's going to get around it in a really clever way. And it's going to be great. But the, it's like the bear suit was somehow worse. Um, Because you could see that it was a child underneath the bear suit. Like you could see that it was a, like not the puppet. It was no attempt to disguise the fact that it was just, they had put either a child or a small person in a bear costume. Apart from like the nightmare close with the eyes, just to make sure you yeah. knew it wasn't yeah. of this world. <laughs> that, like something from like Friday the 13th part two, kind of like that's what that reminds me of that shot. I, I don't I don't want to sound perverse, but I don't actually know what Mac really looks like from the waist down. You don't see him that way very often. <laughs> I guess he's so when he's in once, that... don't you? He's hanging from a I... tree, isn't he? <laughs> like, sorry, he, he, he's not hanging <laughs> yeah. from a tree as in like a noose around his neck. <laughs> he's not um, a lynch. <laughs> <laughs> Although he'd probably be fine, he'd probably just stretch out, like until his feet <laughs> touch the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do you do see his feet like that sequence where he uses the chainsaw to try and get to Eric, oh which God, again yes. it's like something from something from a horror movie, except it's played as a whimsical family comedy. Like saw, like that that, yeah. that section of the movie. Um, and I I don't think I'm exaggerating, like for comic effect. I feel like it, it genuinely does. Um, there's some really around that section movie there's some really interesting choices the mother makes in terms of like where she lays the blame she sees her house has been turned (laughs) upside down she looks at her two children one who his movement is impaired and says he did this (laughs) (laughs) i think that's so crazy and and she's got a line that i feel later on 
might imply maybe a cut subplot after the famous cliff scene happens. She has a line where she says, I can't believe he did this. Which does that imply she thinks he tried to kill himself? Yes, oh I thought that was that's that was sounding as well. Yeah. Yeah. A much darker Mac and me, where Mac is just a figment of Eric's imagination. <laughs> Like like Ronald McDonald. That's what like the original Mac and me didn't have Mac. It just said Ronald as his imaginary friend. And now Mac is there trying to save his soul. That's pretty much wow. it, isn't it? That's the Stephen King story. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it had a it had like a kind of like a big Lebowski scene as well, where the mother was like, "You did this, didn't you?" I bet that wheelchair isn't even real. I bet your legs work. Yeah. Um... This is what happens, Eric, <laughs> when you find a stranger in the Alps. Um, but you were saying about her reaction the- being weird. It's also even more, I think, strange when they fix, well, when Mac fixes the house. She comes and goes, oh, you guys. But she seems like kind of like, not that surprised. It's like, oh, thanks for fixing, I guess. You're not surprised your kids were able to like, replaster and repaint a wall in like under two hours while you were sleeping? And also turn it into like a weird, again, that weird 80s kind of Japanese thing where it looks almost like a flower garden. It has a kind of, It's a very strong interior design choices that Mac made for somebody who doesn't live, like, on our planet. Oh, yeah, that's, but... that's how he got the gig for Nakatomi Plaza. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, Mac is going to read a catalogue. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like that's how that, that's how Mac would spend, you know, an, an afternoon. You know, reading a catalogue, calling up, like, um, you know, Wix, I guess, um, um, <laughs> shopping. Country. Yeah. Um, kind of ne- negotiating prices, those sorts of things. Yeah, it, fe- it feels kind of in 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 his wheelhouse. I believe that he that 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 he did build this. I don't know because if you pick up a phone and Max making his noises, I think you'd presume there's something wrong with connection. Yeah, he sounds he sounds a lot. If like you're if you're lucky, if you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, um, I know. Stop calling. He sounds Third a lot time like um, the Star Trek communicator. Did you anyone pick? I up thought R2D2 myself. But, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of whistle. And I kept thinking it was my ringtone or something, even though I don't have a Star Trek <laughs> ringtone. <laughs> it's ski, skeezy trepio. Um, or, or <laughs> ski, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I, it definitely does sound like RT, R2D2. Um, I, 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 I'd agree with Richard on that one. Um. All right, then. Um, in terms of kind of Macamie, is there anything else you want to discuss? Anything that we haven't talked about already? Anything kind of jumping out at people? Um, it is worth noting that the movie, and again, this is R.J. Lewis, the producer. He said that, like, the movie really suffered, uh, not because of anything in the movie itself, to be absolutely clear. He feels like it would have been a massive box office success that would have launched a sequel, as the closing moments promised, had it not been for a silent stakeholder battle between billionaire John Kluge and media mogul Sumner Redstone that left Orion wayward in 1988, and the fact that it unfortunately opened against 1988's biggest movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Big, and Die Hard. Uh, it opened number 11 at the box office making only $6 million in its total box office run. Although, to be fair, director Stuart Raphael has claimed that it performed very well on VHS rental. And in fact, like it should be noted, Raphael, who has a history of doing knockoff movies, he famously directed Ice Pirates, uh, which is a famous Star Wars ripoff as well. According to Variety, Raphael was the director of four of the top 10 VHS rentals of all time during the 1980s, which, as we mentioned, was a time before movies like E.T. were available to rent. 
So literally all you had was the cheap schlock. Yeah, my- Take your kids to the video store. It's like, do you want to watch- too bad you're watching ice pirates my girlfriend and her um younger sister have uh fond memories of macamy um uh, as 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 children because there was a fella with a van who had movies <laughs> and uh mac and me was one of them um and uh yeah they 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 genuinely loved mac and me um, uh, kids are dumb. I mean, I mean, they, 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 it, it, and I, and I, I like it. It's a fun movie, I guess. And um, like I would take it with me to um, Bad Movie Island. Um, to your island, yeah. yeah. For Niall and Richard, Andrew has gamed the bad movie system where he said that like he he's figured he's going to get 350 movies on an imaginary island. So his bad movies are movies that he, he can pass off as bad to other people, but he would enjoy watching. So, for example, um, you know, it was a 365 days doesn't make that category because he doesn't actually want to watch it. But Mac and me might. Well, like it's it's a more powerfully erotic film, too. So if you're on your own, <laughs> yeah. might as well choose the better option there. <laughs> Yeah, you know that like, what once you've given up on saving yourself or or anyone coming to rescue, it's just going to be like a lot of masturbating, um, dreaming so, of McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where Macamy is. Um, anyone care to add to that? <laughs> uh, not not to that specifically. I want to. Just... <laughs> I want to talk about the leap from say, the climax of the film, haha, or maybe I did follow <laughs> up on it, to the, the scene where they get their citizenship. Because I think the implication is because they have the power to raise the dead, they're made American <laughs> citizens. Because up till then, Mac's dad is just a criminal who went into a, <laughs> a store with a gun or stole a gun from a cop in a store, maybe worse. Um, so I'm, I'm just fascinated by that. And also I just wanted to say, because it's my favorite note, Mac's dad in the suit like moving around he was reminding me of david byrne and that was really <laughs> i wanted to ha- get some talking heads at the end i thought he Didn't. looked like ronald reagan a bit um <laughs> but not exactly subtle to be fair again that ni- 1950s nostalgia kicking in there i guess he won one for the gipper am i right am i right i do love how much of an unapologetic asshole max dad is like things where like they're trying to give him, co- they're trying to share the can of Coke among the three family members. And Max's dad is like, no, my Coke. Or like when he like breaks the glass to steal the Sprite from the random mm. stranger at the petrol station. Or even like when the, the store. It's... She she had breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I love Darren uh, points out earlier. She had breasts. <laughs> well no but she 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 has to cover up and he doesn't which i find like again in terms of like 1950s like very very interesting kind of like you know nuclear family kind of connotations there and the fact that like when he goes to the store it's Mac's dad who like knocks over the can of coke and when the kind of staff worker comes up to him you know Mac's dad isn't afraid of being like vivisected or like taken back to a lab or held in captivity he's just like no I am going to smash this watermelon presumably off screen because you can see that the, I love that you can see the watermelon has been like sawn mm-hmm. when he's holding it as if like he's going to break it but they don't actually show you it they just he, they cut away they cut to the like reverse shot and you just hear it crunching and it's like was that too graphic it's like okay we can't shoot a kid point blank 
can we have Max Father suggestedly crush a watermelon? Is that okay for audiences? And like, no, I feel like that's still a bit too far. Was that when that but comedian Gallagher, is that his name? His whole thing was smashing watermelons. Maybe it was too close <laughs> yes, and he didn't right. want to infringe on his <laughs> shtick. Now there's a Gallagher too, by the way. I, I think his, yeah. his brother took over from 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 him and is pretending Thank God someone's keeping that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be wouldn't it be um I hope he's a smashing success. <laughs> I mean I mean the is, is it it are it, are you a success if you're um Gallagher's uh, uh brother and um do, I mean if you are if you are accepting a mantle that was brazenly ripped off by 1988's eleventh, you know, highest grossing movie in its opening weekend, <laughs> I think you've made I it. think so. I think like you don't even have to ask that to be honest. Um, I did I did like but, there was a power ballad at the moment that <laughs> the moment that um Mac is in the tree. It's just like a power ballad yes! starts. And <laughs> In a tree surrounded by dogs that want to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) The music cues are something else here. It's kind of amazing. Or that shot, like, after they turn off the road when they see us at Wick's Lumber, and they're basically, like, where you have that shot of the, the, like, the stallions galloping beside the van. Yes, that was very much like a music video. And then it felt like GTA V with, like, the windmills and that. our, our, Our lethal weapon when when they're kind of, you know, doing the handover. Oh no, yeah. that reminded me, we didn't talk about what I think is actually like really haunting imagery. It's when they go into that abandoned mine shaft and find his family's corpses. It's like, because <laughs> they, they, they don't look like anything in the dark with dust on, you know? It's They're like, so dead oh. in, in that scene. Like the, yeah, they, it's, it's, it's like there, there's a number of times, because there's a moment where, where they're all like huddling together to die in the desert as well and then because there's no coke in the desert (laughs) (laughs) i love the sequence where they try to offer mac a glass of water and he just says none of that please (laughs) but sorry andrew cut you off no 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 i wasn't going to say anything there there, there, there's there's a moment where he seems like he's sick and you're wondering maybe he's had too many (laughs) too much like coke and skittles (laughs) but then he just has more coke and then he feels better (laughs) um so you love the idea of coke as the elixir of life. Ooh, sorry, I just found a straw here. This is fantastic. Sorry, apologies. It's, it's not a fancy <laughs> newfangled straw. Um, yeah, Mac, Mac's looking really sick. He's looking at uh, someone else's family photo, which is creepy. Um, but also... <laughs> and caressing it. Caress- yeah. Don't forget about the caressing it with his weirdly alien hands. I thought the absent dad of the main family, he reminded me a bit of Francis Ford Coppola. And maybe I was just going crazy. <laughs> as a- I had no point to make there other than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's very much what Richard said, which is like, it's a very 80s movie in that respect, where you have this idea of post kind of like late 60s, the kind of like no fault divorce stuff coming in, the Reagan era, Reagan saying that like his introduction of no fault divorce in California was one of the things that he most regretted about his uh, governorship. So you have this idea of contrasting. And again, this dysfunctional American family with its, you know, single mother and kind of, you know, who has to work this job in order to pay for her you know, family and is never around with this idyllic alien family, which is, you know, they just they get jobs. They promise to bear arms if necessary. They're willing to consume and buy and invest in the economy. They're all wholesome and all American. They don't have any diseases, like bizarre. They, it's this, they, they, 
it, they, I, th- I think it's 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 called um, was it when 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 um, America was first visited by by um, by Europeans, like the things like bringing over smallpox, but the amount of that. things that that like like you know typhus, diphtheria, um, I think like they, they, there there is. There's a big laundry list of diseases that just just were never in the so-called kind of new world um, before they were brought. It's something like some populations, it was like up to 90 percent of them died. And these were people from the same planet bringing, bringing yeah, these diseases this species over. Is a, it's like a, a Stretch Armstrong species. They don't they can't carry disease. They're, they're pure plasticine. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, bacteria cannot plus, penetrate their skin. Coke. They have no yeah. orifices either. <laughs> well, um, yeah. things only go in; nothing comes out. <laughs> it's again the ultimate consumer. Like again, like the, the symbolism is is incredibly heavy-handed there. I I, Just... I agree. I think this movie should have definitely dealt with a deadly alien virus. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely room for that. That was meant to be the sequel. <laughs> like, I mean, with, you, you see like for example that Max's dad can just twist a tire iron like for no reason in the background of a shot and like handling uh, guns and just stealing guns and waving the gun around randomly I don't think the government is wrong like in E.T. I'm very firmly aware of the fact the government is wrong that what they're going to do to E.T. is terrible they should not experiment on that cute little alien who just wants to go home but in Mac and Me I find myself thinking maybe the government agents have a point like maybe we should be vaguely worried about the arrival of these four aliens who are seemingly the last inhabitants of their own planet having like consumed everything through a straw maybe we should be like nervous they're very restrained as well like they're 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 kind of rules of engagement um are fairly conservative <laughs> like <laughs> at what point are we going to kill these monsters <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, is this like only when 50 they're... cops surrounding them <laughs> yeah. and they just keep shouting at them uh, yeah give them more space <laughs> let them escape give them a moment let them think about this we don't want to be too rash we don't want to be too too but um all right is there anything else we talk about anything we haven't discussed already so richard actually you mentioned you took copious notes while watching this i think we covered most of them i'm trying to see anything else worth talking about just the sheer number of like licensed music tracks is sort of baffling, but eh. sorry, what were you saying? I'm kind of curious, like what your notes must look like for for like for watching Mac and Me. Uh, just two full pages of bullet points. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last half of the page is a lot of stuff about how if you made this film now, it'd be considered too political because all that stuff with the guns at the end is just aggressively sort of. Ooh, are the cops right? Are they? Are the aliens right? Um, I still love that shot of him just brandishing the gun. It's it's something so disquieting about it. Like it's just the the weird flailing limb. <laughs> oh, good stuff. There is a chilling moment when he has the gun when he does decide to fire at a cop car. Because that's when you realise he knows what he's holding. Does he shoot, though? I wasn't clear on that. I think he does. <laughs> Max's dad okay. knows exactly what he's doing whenever Max's dad <laughs> is doing it. Like He's always devising these plans in his head the guy creeps me out i really don't like <laughs> the mix between puppet children and humans in suits it's like there's certain muppets i find unnerving for that i like the muppets <laughs> anyway. i don't like the full body ones so much 
Yeah, like like the Cookie Monster is great, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, another the, consumer. What well, you saying is Big Bird? Mi- yeah, <laughs> Big Bird and Mister Snuffleupagus. Um, yeah, <laughs> just push into the uncanny valley a little bit too much. Looks too much I like mean, a real it's... bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it? It's like um, Elizabeth Debicki's like Big Bird. If he was going to win an Oscar, I think is is one of the most haunting suggestions I've heard in my in my life. Um, but uh, very quickly on Stuart Raphael, the director here, he said that like one of the and this is what I find kind of striking in terms of like self awareness of everybody working on the movie. He said that like the key to making Mac a relatable character that audiences could invest in were the attention to detail that they paid on his eyes, because you see. If you have a puppet and it has perfect eyes, it looks uncanny. He had to add little imperfections to the two irises of the puppet. And so as a result, Mac's eyes are, according to Stuart Raffle, the most striking part of the puppet and the part that like perhaps make him easiest to relate to, which is fascinating because watching the movie, I find the eyes particularly terrifying. Yeah, they're definitely more striking than lovely. <laughs> you you can't say the eyes are the most striking part and then put a sphincter like an inch below them because that is where the attention goes. <laughs> and like yeah, and the brown the, the the skin color as well combined with that like O face and the fact that all it does is tighten and loosen is an interesting choice from a creative point of view. Yeah, like did nobody talk to us more about that? Then. Yeah, did no did nobody at any point during like the pre production go maybe we should just scrap this because like if you look at the actual poster for Mac and Me, like Mac has lips on that poster and he has a mouth that is more recognizably human in that like it very much has a mandible jaw thing going on, whereas if you look at the version that appears in the movie, um, yeah. On my yeah, uh, on it's... my DVD cover, they try to hide Mac as much as possible, <laughs> which yeah, I think fair. is a clever move. <laughs> yeah, but... that's just oh. ET, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, I do like. By the way, the reviews from the time were very scathing on that term. I think is it um, the the reviewer in the Washington Post, Richard Harrington. You know, forget ET phone home. ET call lawyer. Um, is how he reviewed uh, Mac and Me, which I find kind of amazing. I, I think I think he t- I, I I think Amblin would want to um, wouldn't want to claim that this movie is similar <laughs> to, um, to 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 their own. They'd probably say like, no, no, this is different enough to ET because <laughs> it's bad. ET is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, apparently Kathleen Kennedy signed off on this. She said that they wouldn't pursue any legal action. They didn't see it as being as resembling E.T. closely enough. And you have to imagine that when she did, she was kind of chuckling to herself, going, good luck with this movie. Um, I killed in, in test audiences and in VHS sales. <laughs> yeah, um, just and, not anywhere where it can be quantified. Um, um, like it had already made its money before it went to theaters. <laughs> <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> 20 years later here it is or 20, 30 years later uh, selling further <laughs> McDonald's to, um, to jaded millennials <laughs> this movie may have saved I... McDonald's we don't know yeah. it hasn't yeah, saved it... the, the Monaghan McDonald's yet um, <laughs> but may, maybe maybe did anyone else think when they brought the kid back at the end, he'd be able to walk? I was terrified he was going to come back from the dead, able to walk. And I was oh, like, yeah. please don't do this. Yeah, that, 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 would have been, that would have been very, that would have been in very poor taste. Um, as opposed to the rest of the, the, rest of the Yeah. 
but you 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 like there is the logical question of like if they if they if they could but 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 that 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 would be to imply that the that like i i the the child is perfectly kind of seems quite you know um happy and reconciled with the i like that about the movie that it's not about yeah. a child who's upset because they can't um, mm, yeah. walk. That, that yeah, it, it's not really commented on, which I really do appreciate. Yeah, Aside yeah. from it kind of being used just for the set piece of him flying down hills, which is, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's cinematic. Yeah. It's really, thank God that woman Donald was set atop the highest hill in the land. So <laughs> that car chase went on for way too long downhill. Um, what I mean, to be fair, again, um, Raphael, the director, said that was his favorite sequence to shoot because it was his one big action piece. And like, again, notably Jade uh, Calgory, who played Eric Cruz, uh, apparently he wanted to do all of his own stunts. And they said, then again, this is one of those things where it's like, I admire what the movie was trying to do, but it also seems very reckless and dangerous. But they're apparently like, yeah, a stuntman couldn't work the wheelchair quite as well as Eric, because Eric obviously had much more experience in the wheelchair, was much more familiar with how to use it and how to move it and to get the results. So a lot of the stunts that you see in the movie are Jade Calgory himself uh, in the wheelchair doing this stuff. Which is kind of amazing. Like, um, I just hope he didn't actually get shot with a blank just for it to not make the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or the international cut of the movie. Um, Would you mention that, like, the, if, if if they were to do this movie, it would be politicized um, today? Probably, maybe, maybe audience would feel that it was unrealistic that it, in the Japanese cut that the that the policeman accidentally shot somebody um i don't know <laughs> well speaking of that there's a the only person arrested in that scene is a, is a small white kid by a black cop there'd be riots today if that happened <laughs> but um all right then and niall obviously as the big booster as the guy who picked mac and me as the film that we want to talk about as the person with the strongest opinions about the movie is there anything that we haven't talked about already that kind of jumps out anything you want to talk about anything that you feel we've given the short shrift to or ignored or overlooked uh, no i think we did like a, a good cover over everything um we didn't really talk about the blossoming romance between the brother and the girl next door which you know what that's totally fine the only fun <laughs> part of that were they ma- were they macking on each other with the only the only fun part of that relationship was at one stage the little girl what's her name was it debbie 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 says debbie. really sassily to the older brother why don't you stop by for a big mac <laughs> and i didn't know what that meant because it can you take that as anything other than literal is that a euphemism why is she so angry in the world of mac and me can you could you not believe that like stop by for a big mac is a euphemism like everything in mac and me is corporate related surely even the active interpersonal connection could become something that's expressed maybe 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 the sass was like you 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 could you could do with a big mac you're big mac deficient which is, like... or maybe it was foreshadowing to Mac's dad, who is Big Mac, the ultimate Big yeah. Mac. It's a lot ah. to think about. Or is he the Grand Mac? There is now, there is now a whole family of Big Macs. Yep. Well, because we can't call them supersize anymore because of that terrible, unfair Morgan Spurlock documentry. Um, sorry, I'm just reading from the press release. <laughs> like, I'm pre- but um... presumably, Mac's family. Like, they can't really keep their species going unless they start inbreeding. I hate to think about that, but science fiction being what it is, like, is this the end? I think I think Morgan Spurlock's issue was that he didn't do the requisite amount of dancing 
after <laughs> having the, the supersize <laughs> the supersize yeah yeah like mcdonald's are very upfront in, in that like you come to the restaurant you dance you eat you dance you run away <laughs> um, and then and, and then it's fine that's why they put it on top of that hill. You have to do some <laughs> exercise. Exactly, yeah. You've earned your Big Mac at the end of it. Well, I mean, again, it is worth pointing out, and, and maybe this is something that is kind of like a, a different cultural thing. It's been pointed out that like for children of the 80s, going to McDonald's was a big deal. It was like a treat at the end of the week. This is obviously before everybody... I, you know, I think maybe on some level everybody knew for, how bad it was for For you. me as well, like in, 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 in the 90s. Like... Um, Anytime I was like alone with my dad <laughs> um, and, and, and my brother, it would be like McDonald's straight away. It's like, because I guess you've got to eat. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, wow, if, if my parents divorced, it would be like this all the time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, every cloud. Um, yeah. Well, no, because I mean, yeah, even like, again, I, we lived in Sligo for, I lived in Sligo with my family for a well, while. We had family in Dublin. Every time that yeah, we it was very much a Dublin. Yeah, thing. every time we get a trip, we're a trip from one coast to coast. Basically, we would stop in McDonald's along the way and kind of have a meal on that three-hour journey. And again, something that I kind of associate with childhood. So it's kind of interesting, like that level of commercialism and product placement, which is terrible, but the way in which it oddly reflects. I don't know if it's still an experience for millennial children or whatever, but for children of the eighties and nineties, it also is a kind of a weirdly accurate snapshot to a certain extent. I think. In that, like, McDonald's was exotic by the standards mm. of, like, being a 90s kid. Well, you know? I, I think, like, any millennials, um, like, we want our childhood back. <laughs> you know, like, like the McDonald's <laughs> these days, they're... they're they they you know they've 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 taken all the salt and all of the fat out of it and it's all <laughs> salads now and, all the and every stuff, like every kid slices. gets a medal um, <laughs> every kid yeah. gets a happy meal yeah as soon as, as soon as just like rebranded to be like we're also kind of a coffee shop I was like no coffee's you know pretty good though <laughs> yeah like, but no when they like change the interiors like look it's kind of like a couch but not wood paneling yeah. wood paneling yeah yeah easy clean leather. It's disturbing to be near. <laughs> All right, then. On that on that wonderful note, and thank you for seeing us out there, Richard. I think we're going to wrap up unless there's anything else kind of jumping out at people. I don't think there's any inappropriate smoking and food waste. I think everybody, nobody actually there eats. There is. I don't think, I, I think everybody leaves the restaurant without without eating their meal. Um, yeah, so presumably it gets that, that we is... get put back under a lamp and given to the next person <laughs> who comes in. Um, yeah. Like like that is it Iceland where they have the last uh, Big Mac meal, the last Happy Meal, and it's been on display for I think four or five yeah, years now. You, Sorry, well, no, twelve years now. Uh, yeah, you, and it has not aged. And you can put like, it in the no woods, mold. and none of the animals will try to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right, then with that in mind, then um, what we do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something, something for this year, something you're enjoying at the moment, something that you get some pleasure from, something that you might want to share. It could be related to the movie, it could be unrelated to the movie, it could be McDonald's, it could be Coke, it could be Skittles, whatever floats your boat, whatever you feel like you want to. So to give Niall and Richard a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably um, some something that I'm enjoying that kind of deals with childhood is Big Mouth. I've been been enjoying on Netflix been reluctant to to recommend it too much because I, ha- I haven't yet finished it but i'm on episode 10 of season four which is the last one until i guess they make more of them um it's uh it's like um it's a few people that i enjoy nick kroll and jason manzoukas uh jenny slate 
um, plays a great character in it. It's animated, and it's about um, kind of um, that 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 period, kind of from childhood into into like becoming becoming an adult, going through uh, uh, puberty. And in terms of fast food, I'd probably recommend Burger King. It is better than <laughs> McDonald's, and and in in and it's better in in the ways that kind of. Like I I I don't know if you'll agree now, but I I I I I think the um I get the impression that the the vegetarian option is better because they they have that um I think it's Impossible Whopper in the states and it's Rebel Whopper here. Yes. Um, Darren and I have both had had us. Um, and it's quite good. It's quite. It's convincing. quite good. Yeah, yeah. And you that like before that they had the bean burger, which I think was better than kind of the veggie burgers that McDonald's did anyway. So in that sense, they're better, but they're also better in the sense of never compromising the way that McDonald's have. They've always had like dirty, disgusting like meals with no, with like they they've never suffered from being a kind of like a um a lightning rod for criticism because they're the kind of the second place um uh, <laughs> yeah. restaurants. So okay, they they chain. can do pretty much whatever they want and have like um a terrifying kind of um uh, like dangerous to eat meals um and... under the king's rule we all suffer <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah the um um support restaurants support your second corporate overlord <laughs> restaurants because they're having a hard time um i guess they are. um and and the the it's very difficult for the staff these days as well um so like if 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 there's anything, I'd 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 also recommend the 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 if people want to donate to the Ron McDonald charity, um, I guess, and um, because I've been told to say that, <laughs> it's very important. It's not just about product placement this week on the two fifty. Uh, and Niall, what would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying? Uh, well, I'm enjoying. I'm very late to the party, but we're talking about kind of uh, product placement and marketing, so it's good, pretty good timing. It's only in the last few weeks I've actually started watching Mad Men. Which is a show. I mean, obviously, it was huge at the time, but a lot of people, I think, my age didn't really get into it, and I can kind of see why because it's not really plot heavy so much as long running character bits, which I really like about it. I find it fascinating, and just how it's exploring that era and different like social and political things are coming into it. I'm not selling it very well. Um, John Hamm is really <laughs> handsome. There we go. Uh, yeah, just, you got you there. just like an episode and, of Mad Men, you, yeah. you 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 like sold it kind of in 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 the final in few the minutes. Final few minutes, yeah. It just came to me. I was drinking whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it has a tie in here because it's at the end of like Mad Men. Not to get too spoilery, but John Hamm is meditating and comes up with the concept of you know selling coke through an ET ripoff. Uh, with a weirdly uh, inappropriate puppet. So you're telling me he ends up in an asylum. <laughs> Spoilers. John Hamm creates Mac and Me is basically the ending of, um, of Mad Men, the ultimate full circle kind of culmination. Um, so, yeah, it, it does feel like what 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 um, um, what he would do, what Don Draper would do. He'd be like Mad Men. I'm handsome. <laughs> Where is that? Should I say that's handsome? Is that anything? Uh, no, I like Everyone's it. Done that probably. I might be a vegetarian, but I'll always go for ham. Uh, <laughs> as for food, I 
this has been a great reminder that I don't really like fast food very much. Colin McDonald's Death Squad, it's failed. This, this, this was your idea, Niall, to be clear. I was like, like Mac and me, you were the one who's like, let's get some McDonald's while we talk about Mac and me. This is all um, part of like self-destructive behavior. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm just like Don Draper. But, but, uh, I, I will agree, Burger King, way better vegetarian options. And, you know, they're, they're kind of, I hate to say it, they're kind of a, an underdog in a way compared to McDonald's. <laughs> so, yeah, just support them. Support anyone. Just be good. Be excellent to each other. I don't know. This is, a, this is, this is an Orion picture, which was a, a blast from the past. Because they came back for Bill and Ted, the last one, I believe. Oh, wow. Really? Was, yeah, the logo was at the that. start. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they're yeah. still going or if that was just a nostalgic callback, but it's one of those logos I associate so much with my childhood, seeing it at the start of a VHS. I wish it was the Canon logo, because then we would have seen that kid get shot, but <laughs> take what I can I, get. I, think... I mean, I think you you have discussed the possibility of launching a Canon cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is still in the works. I don't have anyone who I know will talk to me about it regularly, <laughs> which is a problem. So this is a shout out. But it's it's okay because Richard seems very agreeable when you ask him to do something. It's true. <laughs> All right, Richard, stay on the line. Death wish. It's true, though, how evocative the Orion um, kind of logo is. I think, like, even when I'm, we, even when I look into the night sky, I think that Robocop is about to start. <laughs> Robocop will start playing in the sky. Yeah. 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 That would be a better world. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Richard? What would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment? Uh, I feel woefully unprepared for this section. I wasn't. I haven't been watching much recently. More just playing video games, like the the loser I am. What? I will say. What uh, have you been playing? What have you been enjoying? Uh, well, Hitman Three mostly, but no, I'll, I'll keep this like to the medium appropriate uh, recommendation wise. Have you uh, played Blood Doc- Money? Yes, I played them all. Oh great! I love. They're them. all very good. Yeah. If you like this clandestine murder, which I do, it's a very <laughs> enjoyable pastime. <laughs> Um, but relevancy. Um, if you want a film about the fetishization of ca- or of commercialism, I would recommend In Fabric. Uh, but more Excellent. relatedly, the documentary okay. McMillions. Which has anyone seen that? Oh, this is the one about the, the heist. The, yeah, the, the monopoly, yes. the monopoly thing. Yeah, they should do a second season on now to do with Mac and me based on the things you said so far <laughs> today, and or Darren. <laughs> About how it was put together. Yeah, how I think it was seems doable. Less, less mob <laughs> and murder and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure someone died on set. <laughs> <laughs> One of those stunt doubles, right? Logically, sure. <laughs> Technically, he was the third kid we used. Um, <laughs> the first kid, kid went off right. cliff too graphically. He was a dummy for a second shot. <laughs> yeah. Re- really quickly, just on the subject of other McDonald's films, I would definitely recommend Mac and Me over that Michael Keaton movie. The oh, the founder. founder. Oh. It's I, I, my favorite review called it the Social Network for stupid people. It's <laughs> <laughs> very kind, but I, I really did. It summed it up for me. I I didn't mind the founder. Um, well, then it's founder's <laughs> audience, Darren. No, I Darren oh, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud. no. It the founder found it's uh, oh, okay, sorry. All right, sorry. I, I was appreciating it on that. Oh though. no. no. Um, oh no. Well, no sorry, I, mean, I shouldn't have said the, anything. Then. The founder is the Big Mac level of kind of like McDonald's biopics, which feels oddly appropriate in that like it's everything that you expect from a biopic with, with no nutritional value whatsoever. It leaves you feeling and sick. I, <laughs> well empty i was more than empty and i was like this is very clever i appreciate what this movie is doing well played movie uh, wasn't one of the mcdonald's brothers the zodiac killer 
Yes, yes, he was John Carroll Lynch, and the other one was Nick Offerman. Um, <laughs> oh, all right, then. In terms of recommendations, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, all right, then. In terms of recommendations for myself, I don't actually have any McDonald's or kind of food related at the moment. Um, so I don't know. I'm quite enjoying. You haven't been eating much food. <laughs> no, clearly not. Apparently. Um, but no. Well, okay. Steak. Steak is good. Steak <laughs> is always good. Darren recommends steak. Fine. Yeah, you got a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Hunt it and cook it. Um, no, butchers are great. And again, everything artisanal, everything local is, is pretty good at this climate as well, to be fair. And as Andrew said, support local businesses where you can. Um, and like a lot of services are, a lot of restaurants are offering takeout. So you can find a lot of them online and it's very worth doing that to support them um, and all that sort of stuff. So that is very, very worth doing. In terms of, of recommendations from myself, I guess maybe watch a Steven Spielberg movie instead of this, I guess. So one of any of Steven Spielberg's movies I would mostly recommend, um, except some of the more recent ones. So maybe not Ready Player One. Mm. You know, Another maybe E.T. Yeah. Movie. Can, I, can, I, can I be on brand and recommend a specific Spielberg film? Kind of. Recommend a specific Everyone look up on YouTube. Spielberg's pilot he directed for Columbo is on there. It's 90 minutes and it's excellent it's one of the best things spielberg's ever made in my opinion but i am i am biased i'm really disappointed you didn't cut in with just one more thing because <laughs> then all I'd, right then i'd have to try my impression i've been working on which is not there yet <laughs> i'm saving it for my colombo podcast just keep making them all right so if people are looking for a bit more nile a bit more richard online where can they find you where are you at nile what are you up to uh you can find me on twitter at nile the glenn I'm currently the podcast I work on. The Star Wars one is on a bit of a hiatus while we wait for Star Wars to actually make content, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I will probably be back in May. In the meantime, I'm still writing for the Irish game site Game Air and the Welsh film and TV site Fresh Take. So uh, not as much as I should be at the moment because I'm on, on the precipice of employment. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, so we look forward to hearing Mandamorian from you, eh? Uh, uh, do you plan this in advance, yeah. or they just come to you like yeah. the Oracle of Delphi? It's, 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 <laughs> he saves them up for months. He weaponizes yeah. these. Uh, I have a little whiteboard where it's like, what are things people, what are things kids are talking about, and like, what can I work them in? Madman. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, that wasn't. All right. That. Sorry. No, that was not. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Richard, where can we find you? Watch up to what you're doing. Uh, as a gainfully employed civil servant, I don't do much of the this kind of thing anymore. So occasionally I'm doing stuff on Head Stuff, uh, Film Ireland. You can find me mostly just retweeting other people's better content on Twitter at Frontastic. That's that's about it. Did, you right, recently then. wrote something on Hitman, didn't you? I reviewed Hitman 3, yes, for Head oh, Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have a musings on an idea for an article about how it's technically the woke version of the Bond franchise, but, you know, TBC on that one. Ooh. I think that piece would be a hit. Oh, God. A hit, man. Just wrap, wrap this yeah. up and end it so we can just, please. <laughs> All right. Well, luckily enough, listeners who want a bit more Nile and a bit more richer in their lives won't have to wait too long because you guys are both back next week to join us for a discussion of Mortal Kombat Annihilation to mark the release of the new Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. We're really looking forward to it. You can find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll see you next yeah. week. Bye. Uh, yeah, bye, guys. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Um, we'll you, be you, back, as Mac and me says. You, you, you have a whole week to recover from this.